0: hey guys i hope you're doing well and thanks for tuning in again this week i'm your host matt and welcome to episode 63 of the junior golf keys podcast presented by golf zone leadbetter GolfZone Leadbetter includes a global network of 40 academies across 15 different countries, as well as Leadbetter University, which offers education and certification for teaching professionals around the world. To learn more about GolfZone Leadbetter, you can visit the website at www.leadbetter.com or download the free GolfZone Leadbetter app in your app store today to access content for players, coaches, and parents. So this is the fourth of five lost episodes that were recorded but not published. So uh, we're getting close to the end of of the lost episodes and looking forward to uh, putting the last couple out, but also uh, to have some new episodes recorded uh, so we can bring some new guests on and uh, continue to give you guys a resource to navigate your junior golf journey. So this week, our guest, Jace Derwin, is the head of performance training for Volt Athletics. Uh, Jace is the lead sports and performance specialist. He was a dual sport athlete at the collegiate level, earning a degree in exercise science, as well as uh, he is also a certified strength and conditioning specialist. So at Volt, Jace focuses on the training program design, development of the content. He manages uh, sport-specific programming is also focused on implementing the newest trends and research in sports performance uh, to the Volt application. So Volt is a uh, performance application. It's something that I've actually used over the last few years. We're gonna talk a little bit about that. Uh, But Volt is a comprehensive training platform. It's focused on helping people reach their performance goals and whether that's training for a sport, job, uh, general health and fitness, uh, really good program, really good application that, like I said, I've used uh, over the last few years, and you know, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation with Jace. Uh, he's got a lot of knowledge in the sp- in the space, uh, just around you know fitness, around training. Uh, you know, really focusing on different types of athletes. Uh, he's got a lot of experience there. So in this episode, we're going to discuss the Volt platform. Uh, we're going to talk about sport-specific training factors the balance of training and recovery, quality of training, progressive training, golf-specific training movements, um, and building a foundation of mental strength through physical training. So like I said, think you guys are really going to enjoy this conversation. Uh, excited to bring you guys another episode this week. So um, just want to, before we jump in, remind you guys, I've got a new website up. Not a whole lot of content there yet, but juniorgolfkeys.com. Uh, It's showcasing the latest episode. It's got a little bio on me. um, And we've got some future plans for that. So, would love it if you guys would check it out. You can subscribe to an email list that I think in the future there's going to be some content that's coming through that. Um, And then connect with us on all the platforms. I'd love to connect with you guys. My email is matt at juniorgolfkeys.com. And then we've got uh, pages, or I guess a presence, you would say, on all the social media platforms uh, for Junior Golf Keys. So, Uh, Whatever's easier for you, email or direct message through some of those platforms. Would love to hear from you guys. Would love to understand more about uh, what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, Uh, any ideas for guests, for topics, you know, those types of things. So uh, always looking forward to connect and expand the audience. And, you know, if you take away value from this episode, I would love it if you share it. Um, You know, we just want to really put this out there in front of as many people as we can. The whole premise behind the show, as you all know, is to bring value that's going to help players, parents, coaches in navigating their junior golf journey. So uh, excited to continue to do that, be back on track with you guys, and I really appreciate you tuning in. So you guys sit tight. I'll be right back with our guest this week, Jace Derwin. All right, everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of Junior Golf Keys I'm joined by Jace Derwin, the head performance. I'm sorry, head of performance training at Volt Athletics. Uh, Volt is a uh, an app that I use uh, for my personal fitness. And you know, those of you that have followed along with me, and especially on my you know personal pages with social media, uh, you're always seeing me post my uh, recap um, screenshots of my workouts and you know how they're hitting in different areas. And so, uh, Volt is a really awesome tool that I use. And I just wanted to share uh with you guys today uh what this product and, and this solution is all about you know more broadly talk about um you know just overall training and recovery and uh fitness in the golf space and uh doing that through volt athletics is a tool that I use and um excited to have Jace join us uh to just talk about Volt and uh everything that you guys have going on there. So Jace I appreciate you joining me man. Yeah happy to be here. Yeah absolutely um for the audience just to kind of start off, giving a little bit of context. um, Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Um, I know that you're not, you know, a golf professional by any means, but very familiar with the sport. Um, And I'm just kind of interested, when was your first introduction to the game of golf? And, um, you know, kind of what does that look like in terms of, uh, you know, just your involvement in the game at all? And, um, you know, what has your path been that's led you, uh to the head of performance training at Volt.
1: Yeah. Uh my first introduction to golf had to have been when I was about nine years old. My dad is an avid golfer. Uh and I'm out here in the Northwest, grew up out here. So he did a lot of playing uh in the rain, in the muck. Yeah. And uh you know he's he's very serious about getting out and going to play regardless of the weather. Um but I would go out and play with him Um, and you know, I had enough exposure to golf that I enjoyed it, but it was not the sport that I necessarily gravitated to the most. Uh, but golf has always been, uh, in my life in the sense that, uh, you know, I know it's one of my dad's favorite things to do. And I have massive respect for, uh, the difficulty of golf. I still, I still, to this day, think golf's probably the hardest sport. Um, mostly, mostly for the, uh, emotional injury it does to me every time I try and play, (laughs) right. I would uh, I would classify myself as uh, someone that's always in their first year of practice, trying to learn it, and that's been going on for you know almost thirty years now. So. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, it's funny yeah. too. That's an interesting topic because uh, you're very. I mean, you're an accomplished athlete, dual sport athlete in college. I mean, you're still you know are training and competing in the Olympic weightlifting um, space, and so you're obviously a very you know physically fit, gifted athlete. And uh, it's funny. I've played with some of my buddies that you know, or high-level, you know, Division One athletes, you know, football, baseball. And Mm -hmm. it's so funny when they get out there, um, you know, how difficult it can be for some of them and how frustrating it is because here are these really solid athletes in their, you know, own sports typically, and they come out and, uh, you know, it's just a struggle. It's a tough game. Oh, yeah. The,
1: The main opponent you have exists inside your own head, and you can't escape it. And golf puts that front and center. Yeah, I would, I would much rather go seven rounds Brazilian jiu-jitsu <laughs> against some of the meanest people than, <laughs> than, than really get out there and expose myself and, and my level of skill and confidence in golf. But I, I, I say that in the sense that I, I really do appreciate the level of um, difficulty and talent it takes to play golf. Yeah. And uh, my pathway to vault, uh, so I grew up, so my dad's a golfer, but he also uh, owned a gym. Uh, and so I grew up, Kind of in the uh, weight training um, fitness world very early. It was it was the first place that I would be dropped off at at school because that's where my parents were. Yeah, you know I've been hearing plates uh, hit together for you know my entire life. Uh, So when I went to school, I went and studied exercise science. Uh, I had a special focus towards physiology and biomechanics. Uh, From there, I ended up uh, interning and working at a uh, sports physiology and biomechanics lab where it was the hands-on laboratory work of analyzing the body, looking at the um, different intricacies of how it produces force, absorbs force, and then fuels it through um, the various systems so that you can maintain activity. And we would go into these very deep, detailed dives of how to um, build uh, programs and structures for all these different types of athletes based on these uh, intricate variables. Uh, so, that main doctor there he was teaching a course at uh, it was Seattle University, and um, the CEO of Volt now came out of that program and when, when he is starting Volt, he was looking for someone that had the uh, exercise science background, the laboratory experience that they needed so that they had the kind of breadth of research and understanding about the system so that when they uh, started b- putting together this uh, software application, there was the um, you know the backing of all the uh kind of the scientific um structure behind it so when we started presenting programs to people there was a, a nice backbone there. sure so i lucked out and uh was able to uh you know talk to the right people put my resume out there and uh was they were they were uh brave enough to gamble on me to help build these programs and i've uh, you know only been a, appreciative of it ever since
0: Well, I'd say it was a pretty good gamble. I mean, you've been there for eight years, right? And uh, (laughs) it seems like it's paid off. You guys have made, you know, we were talking before we got started. I've been using Volt personally for about three years. And, um, you know, I've definitely seen some really nice improvements. And, obviously, you've seen, you know, really from conception or inception to, um, you know, where it is now. And it's exciting. Uh, You guys have made a lot of strides. Um, You know, what I really love about Volt is... You know, I've always been, um, you know, a multi-sport athlete. I played tons of sports growing up, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, always had coaches in the gym that were kind of pushing me um, to do, you know, specific training programs and those types of things. But, you know, once I got out of college and I was kind of out on my own, even though I knew, you know, a decent amount about the exercises and, you know, training practices as a whole, I'm not super educated in this space around you know, putting a program together. And, you know, I'd be one of those guys Mm -hmm. that would just like walk into the gym and, you know, I was consistently working out, but was I really, you know, maximizing uh, what I could do in the plan to get me where I was trying to go? And was it specific to, you know, the sports that I was playing golf being my main sport? You know, I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was just developing strength and skills and functional movements uh, with, in the golf sport and volts really helped me do that, um, you know, over the last mm-hmm. three years. And so, you know, I'm not somebody to get like products on and like pitch products on the podcast, but I really want to have you had wanted to have you on here because, uh, for you, those, well, those of you that are listening, uh, this application has just really helped keep me consistent and keep me focused on my training as it relates to golf. And so, I'm excited to dive into some of the specifics with you on that, but um, can -hmm. you just tell the audience like what what is Volt, what's you know, just some concepts and methodologies behind what you all have built?
1: Yeah, so when Volt started, our primary emphasis was building out a application that was um, basically serving as the uh, thought piece of what a strength coach would do if you didn't have a strength coach uh, available to you. So we primarily targeted Um, the high school college sport market and we used a system of analyzing the sports breaking down the primary movement factors the primary physiological demands and then would build out um, customized programs that fit those specific contexts and then we added in another layer that helped individualize it to each athlete as they go Mm. so a way of thinking about it is uh, you know you're You've got a golf season coming up and you want to prepare. Uh, what constraints do we need to meet so that we put together a program so that you're developing all of the primary performance factors that give you the raw materials so that when you go and practice or compete in golf, you're maximizing those
0: physical qualities in your sport specific skills. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit about how the program adjusts to the specific athletes?
1: Yeah, we have built in what we call an auto-regulatory. We call it smart sets. Mm-hmm. So as you go through, we take feedback in on the difficulty of each set, and then using that information, we help uh, modify the rate of progression that each subsequent set follows, so that you're always training um, on a path that's slightly uh, pushing you forward towards whatever that uh, specific objective we're trying to. We're trying to build strength. We keep pushing you towards that strength goal. We're trying to build power. We keep. You Power. Yeah, And a lot of that just comes down to interaction with the app and uh, interacting with uh, our different tools to um, help guide you in that
0: direction. Yeah, that's a really neat component of it. Um, and I think I think we're talking I think I'm thinking about the same thing because I can remember, you know, the past couple of years, you know, I've stepped away from using Volt, let's say for maybe a couple weeks and I was just doing some other stuff. And then when I came back, um, you know, it would ask me, you know, do you want to recalibrate? You know, we see that you've been gone for um however long the the period of time was and so then it it would just it would recalibrate basically um as if maybe i wasn't doing anything when i was stepping away from there and i just think that it's just an interesting component that just kind of helps you get back into the rhythm um and and is an accurate kind of depiction of of where you are in that moment Mm -hmm. is that accurate
1: yeah, no, you nailed it. You know, uh, we we try and find ways to, you know, setting the context before you enter the app, getting enough uh, information about um, your level of experience, um, how long you've been training, uh, and uh, different elements of what maybe you'd be trying to focus on. Yeah. And then as you go through, if you step away, we, we've we built it in to kind of take into account any sort of loss of residual training effects that may occur
0: during it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so when I when I go through... When I go through my specific training plan um, with Volt and I was kind of looking at some of my past workouts and stuff like that to, you know, just make sure that I remembered, you know, kind of the different sequences, you know, throughout that year long training program. But, you know, focusing on things like power, endurance, um, unload, rest weeks, you know, those types of things. Or, you know, you wrote an interesting blog um, where you were talking about active recovery and Mm -hmm. I think that plays a little bit into unload. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, so you know, with a with a training plan, the more that you're applying stress to the body, you're driving out, of, out of, you're driving out fitness adaptation. But it, there's only so much you can do before you start um, pushing pushing the system a little too hard, and you run the risk of getting yourself into either an overtrained state or simply fatigue so high that your risk of injury becomes. A little too high for uh, you know anyone's safe measure to keep pushing. Right. So the way that an unload week would work is that you dial back the movement complexity, you dial back the training intensity, keep the reps low. You just go in and basically do enough so that the system, your body, knows that you're doing some work and it gets blood flow, gets the heart rate going, but it never pushes it beyond where you were. Yeah. And it gives it the time to actually recuperate, regenerate, um, and, and build the uh you know either the strength factors and the muscle the muscle hypertrophy you were targeting and by the time you return you're actually sitting at a new level of capability i hope i hope that from your experience when you come back after the unload it feels like there's like a whole new set of skill or a whole new level of resource to use in the gym
0: yeah for sure yeah definitely feel that yeah. um but but at the same time you feel like you haven't really you know, lost anything in that period of time either. You know, you're still nah, staying consistent, yeah. um, but definitely refreshing and, and and recovering yourself at the same time.
1: Yeah, that, the old adage is that it's it's not the lifting heavy weights that makes you stronger; it's the resting mm. to recover from lifting heavy weights that makes you strong.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and I think that that's a big topic for junior golfers specifically. And I can tell you that you know, in my experience, uh, being around some really high level junior players, um, sometimes there's a misconception on the golf training side, or, you know, in this point, I'm talking about ball striking and, you know, those types of things mm-hmm. where more is better repetition, you know, the more balls that I hit, the better golfer I'm going to be. And while there is some truth in that, there's also a fine line that you can toe. Um, where if you step over it, you know, to your point, you're, you could be in a in overtraining zone and yeah. at the, essentially, you know, you're operating your, your body. If you think of your body as, you know, as a gas tank, right. And, you know, if you're mm-hmm. operating with that gas tank at 50% capacity, um, you know, is that really as productive than if you would maybe scale back a little bit, let yourself recover you know, back up to a hundred and then you have a a more productive, um, practice following that. And it seems like a very similar pattern, um, that you all use in terms of the fitness side of it.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. It's all about the quality of
1: the investment time for your training. Okay. So, you know, the, the more that you push the system, the less quality, you more than likely you're going to get later on. And I'm, you know, you can see this with any athlete, um, you know, that's, that's, Working really hard, but then they start pushing themselves beyond the point where the quality of whatever they're practicing just isn't where it should be. Yes, they're getting more reps, but is the quality of those reps really the level it needs to be so that you see progression or see improvement? Right, right. So you know you want to get as many quality reps as you can, and you want to build that build that capacity for that level of skill quality to improve. Which, which I think that highlights that point where you're saying oh, that like that's the element of truth there. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, if you if you can increase the total number of quality reps you can get, you're going to see more improvement than if you didn't have those reps. But those are expensive. And if you overspend and every other rep after that is a negative, you might dig yourself too deep that you
0: even degrade your skill or degrade. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and, And for those of you parents and players that are listening, you know, it'd be like, you know, you're out there hitting balls and you get tired and then your technique Uh, adjusts because of that you know maybe you're not able to hold a position or you're not able to rotate as far you know those types of things and then therefore you know the quality of your practice um, has been declined and you know are you really doing yourself a favor by being out there you know in that state Um, and so you know that rest and recovery and you know active recovery uh, is just super important whether you're talking about you know golf training as it relates to the swing or Mm -hmm. from a, you know, fitness and and functional movement standpoint. Um, yeah, it
1: helps, avoid all sorts of burnout, helps, helps things just, you know, stay at a level where everything's productive and the the necessary, um, kind of, you know, stepping back, getting more of a, you know, a, a broader perspective helps everything kind of realign and get back into a, um,
0: a good state. Yeah, for sure. Um, you wrote a, there was another blog that you had written about, um, just, you know, tips for high school athletes, some common mistakes, uh, that high school athletes can make while training. Um, can you go into that a little bit? What are some of those mistakes yeah, that uh, high school athletes can make, um, in their fitness training? I mean, they, I I forget when I
1: wrote that, but I guarantee you that list has grown exponentially.
0: Oh, sure. Yeah, I'm sure it
1: has. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's probably not concluded, you know, it doesn't, doesn't encompass all of the mistakes there are probably the big one I would say for high school athletes is that they, they look at what the pros do and then they immediately want to mimic what the pros are doing at that time. Mm. They see the outcome rather than looking at the process that got the pro there. Mm. Um, You know, which, you know, you could, you know, you probably see that in the golf, like with the specific golf drills that people end up doing, it might be two or three steps more advanced than where they need to be. And, you know, the same thing happens when people look at training. Um, I see it a lot in um, any sport where uh, the fitness training is like a big part of the culture of the sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, football, wrestling, um, you know, some elements of, of baseball, soccer are there. Um, but people will just they'll, they'll do whatever their pro, their favorite pro or whatever their favorite team kind of advertises as part of it. And it's not not to say that w- that thing is um, in any way not beneficial to the sport, but they're jumping too far ahead of what may be beneficial to what their fitness levels are. And there's a long process of all the very simple fundamental things that are far more beneficial for them to be doing at that point, because it's more rooted into what their individual capabilities are rather than trying to mimic what, you know, one pro did that was a 30 seconds uh, clip that was broadcast on the internet. Yeah. There's, there's so much more of a story there that, you know and it's not even to say that the pro is even correct the pro could be doing something that's more for the marketing material sure than it is for the actual like benefit of individual improvement
0: yeah yeah that's a really good point so like what um what are some of those damaging effects or what could they be for a young athlete that is trying to take that approach like you're describing
1: Yeah. I mean, the biggest one is obviously just injury alone. You know,
0: they, they don't know what they're doing and they're trying
1: to mimic something that's probably, uh, you know, the coolest things to see are really heavy weights being lifted or heavy or weights being lifted really fast, both of which are conditions where injuries can occur, you know, and you have to earn your way to get there. Mm. Um, other than that, you know, a lot of it could just simply be you know, reintegrating bad habits because they don't have the right foundation to be practicing those things. Yeah. You know, anything related to a, to a high output from the central nervous system needs
0: to be uh, practiced thoroughly to get there. Yeah. So what are some good ways that young athletes um, can build that foundation?
1: Yeah. Uh, start small and understand what a basic movement pattern. Um, so this is kind of the starting point. This is how we pull this is how we pull different elements of different sports and, and and set out kind of like our, what we call like our first block or or, our foundation block. Right. We look at, um, you know, basic squatting, basic hip hinging, basic core stability and bracing. Um, And even with, even with the pros, uh, these three movement patterns or, you know, general movement patterns in that regard, they still hammer them all the time. Like they're your bread and butter. You will always go back to them. Um, and it's from these foundations that you learn how to do much more of the explosive dynamic and, uh, you know, impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, with Volt, you know, you know, if you go through a Volt program, chances are you've done your fair share of goblet squats, you've done your fair share of hip extensions, you've done your, you know, more planks than you could imagine. Right. And then you can see it, you can see it layered in, into the way that we build programming. And then you can see how we build off of that moving forward as the different variations, Uh, well, basically the different complexity of um, either implement or loading is added from that foundation of just those basic movement patterns. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, And can you talk about the golf program um, specifically that you guys have built? I mean, when you talk about golf training, um, you know, some big topics um, around golf training are, you know, how do we generate speed? Um, How do we generate Mm -hmm. power? Um, You know, definitely there's, three different components in that, you know, using the ground force reaction, you know, rotational mm-hmm. power and, you know, mm-hmm. just some using those big muscles as well. Um, can mm-hmm. you talk about some of the specifics within the, the golf program uh, of the Volt application? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, in terms of specific, it's interesting because, you know, within the um, kind of exercise science, sports science, strength coach world, our, our tools that we use to, to build your golf specific traits are very general. So you'll see a lot of overlap between um, what we use to build a golf program, even to what we use to build a football program or build a soccer program. Okay. Because we're all working with the human body mm-hmm. uh, and it's just how we structure them and layer them throughout the week or throughout uh, a month or a year that help get you to a point where those specific golf skill sets like rotational power can be expressed fully. Gotcha. So when it comes to the golf program, one of the big things we try and emphasize is the development of just the general, the, the general raw resource of having strength being uh, able to be expressed through the hips and transfer that, transfer that uh, strength quickly through the whole system. Yeah. So lots of, um, we do lots of double leg pushing paired with single leg pushing. And that's kind of the I would say like the main bulk of where you see the program sits. If you go through the golf program, you'll see yourself doing lots of different variations of single leg work or um, dumbbell leg squatting with a lot of different implements. And those are going to complex or are going to increase uh, in uh, complexity over time. So you might start um, just like with a general bodyweight squat, go to a dumbbell squat. And now we're having you do um, either like uh, a front squat or some other variation, maybe a box squat. We're going to build you, uh, along that road and it's going to take a while but you're going to see yourself increase uh, that total capacity for doing uh more and more work in the weight room it's going to translate to the ability to implement that strength uh out on the
0: out on the course
1: or at the range
0: yeah yeah um uh, yeah there's no denying that you know in, in any sport and you know golf definitely is you know the the fitness aspect of golf has changed and increased and improved drastically over the years and you know you know, Tiger really opened up that um, you know whole world for somebody that was training super hard, um, or just more athletically uh, as a golfer mm-hmm. than anybody really ever had. And I mean, you know, you look out there now, and you know, every player that's out there on tour and college players, you know, they're all paying so much attention to um, just the the strength and the fitness aspect of. Golf. I mean, obviously Bryson De- DeChambeau is a big um, example of, I don't know if, are you familiar with what he's doing right now with, with his body and, you know, kind of the changes that he's made over the past, I don't know, year, I guess.
1: Yeah, not in terms of the specifics of what he's doing, but certainly in the um, fully aware that he's getting bigger and stronger. <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, if it's, I, I, it all comes down to the individual context. I mean, it certainly seems that it's paying off in the sense that he has more power and more strength and he's able to utilize it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the main picker is that he, he's able to pull off the true utilization of getting bigger and stronger. Yeah. Because if you get bigger and stronger and you can't find a way to unlock it and actually put it into your game, then you've just made it harder for yourself to walk around on the golf. course. Yeah, true. You know, true. So everything comes down to how well it transfers. Yeah. And so in his individual case, it's looking like it transfers does not and then this is go back to where I think a high school a high school player would maybe make a mistake of saying, well, the secret to that was just getting bigger and stronger. Yeah. That's not necessarily
0: the case. Right, right, right. Um yeah, you've got to build that foundation where you you know, if if your body has the ability and capability, I guess, to uh do what he's doing, you've still got to start from ground zero and build a foundation before you even think about trying to make any type of an adjustment like he's made over the past year yeah yeah i mean you have
1: to still be able to swing the golf club like a pro Mm -hmm. does not matter how strong you are you know as soon as you if you can untap that strength and put it into that really really um fine-tuned perfect swing that you've built
0: then you've done it that's good yeah yeah no doubt about that um Let's talk about consistency in training and why that's important. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, consistency in in any sport is is important. Golf is a very technical sport. Uh, Consistency in training, technically, is important uh, just to keep uh, sharp. You know, from a golf perspective, you're always checking things like, you know, your alignment and your grip and your stance, and you know those types of things that are really good check marks to make sure that you're setting yourself up every single time, uh, so that you're able to execute um, the swing that you've been working on, uh, the same way every time. It's a, it's a game of repetition and, and managing your misses. And, um, would like you to talk a little bit about just the importance of consistency, uh, from a fitness training perspective.
1: Yeah. For the fitness training perspective, if you're out in the golf course a lot, that means you're putting your body through a lot of asymmetrical work, you know, at, at a, at a fairly regular, um, rate mm-hmm. and, what a fitness program helps do is also uh, address kind of the structural imbalances and reintegrate um, some missing elements that wouldn't otherwise be uh, stressed on the golf course. And these, these things can actually help your golf game in the sense that it helps build and anchor, you, anchor your body to um, more structural points that can help reduce that risk of injury. Okay. So maintaining a solid fitness regimen is also part of just making sure that you can keep golfing. Um, and it doesn't take much to do it like, uh, simple, simple, uh, core stability work, you know, it could simply be enough. Um, you know, and, you know, the more fitness you, you develop through the weight, the weight room, you know, it kind of becomes the spot where you need to return so that you can retain those fitness qualities that you developed. If you... You know, if you spend three months training and you take three months off, you didn't keep, you might, you've, you've gone, you would have lost certain levels of fitness that you had developed over that first three months because you hadn't gone back and, uh, retained it. your body's going to build fitness qualities, but if they're not being
0: utilized or stressed in any way, they're too expensive to keep around. So the body will, um,
1: you know, re- remove them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That makes sense. Well, and two for junior golfers, I mean, you know, these tournaments and, and, and just rounds in general that they're playing, you know, junior golfers are walking a lot, um, you know, mm-hmm. just keeping their energy levels up. So nutri- nutrition is obviously a big piece of that on course and off the course, but, you know, fitness training, I believe, is a, is a huge piece of that as well. I mean, if, if you're not preparing your body to be able to sustain, um, you know, that level of activity uh, for the period of a round or a multi-day tournament, um, you know, it can have a, a a detrimental impact on, you know, the way that you're able to execute on, on the course there as well, too.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And having 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 fitness sessions that are at least um, kind of pushing the intensity level to a degree that you would probably not otherwise experience in golf. Because golf is a very, uh, I would say, a low intensity sport. Yeah. Not to say that, like, a, a, a rip and drive isn't super intense. Right. But uh, it's not quite the same level of strain that you would get. Um, that becomes necessary for just, you know, keeping the durability of your body. High. Yeah. And that's what, you know, a good weight room program will help provide. And uh, it'll, it'll make the experience of going through the golf game uh, even even less of a subjective uh, intensity level uh, if you have some sort of strong weight training regime where you can actually. I think that, that goes back to the Tiger point you're saying. Like, tiger, tiger emphasized how intense his sessions were and what that did for his mental state when he would then go back into uh, playing golf.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a great transition. Cause one of the things I want to talk about is ment- mental, toughness. Um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a believer and I, and I've used obviously volt for a, a couple of years and, um, mental is just a huge piece of the golf game. You know, you're when you're Mm -hmm. out there playing in a tournament, um, you know, especially these juniors and, you know, depending on what level of play they are, you're out there by yourself. I mean, you're out there spending four or five hours in your own head. Um, that mental piece of it is just a huge component. And so how can somebody build more mental strength through the, the physical training, um, aspect of, of training?
1: Yeah, this is the, uh, this is a fun, fun area. And so I have a, I have some experience working with, um, like military populations and of course, um, a lot of different like combat spaces because mm-hmm. mental toughness has its own little meaning within those worlds as well. And I think what you have to, what you have to separate is that the weight room isn't the place where you, uh, necessar- like people will take the weight room and they will test their mental t- toughness. Rather, it becomes a place where you need to practice mental toughness. Mm. It's the place where it's cultivated and it's built. And you, the weight room is a, is a fertile ground so that you can grow the elements of what it is to basically stay disciplined, to be diligent, to hyper-focus on something that um, is more valuable than anything that's distracting you. Uh, and you also have to deal with um, what would be uh, the necessary demand of overcoming something that's going to feel less, it's going to feel less enjoyable than any other thing, out there <laughs> but you're going to purposefully show up and do it anyway, knowing that the payoff is down the road. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, when it comes to mental toughness, you make sure, you have to make sure that you're defining it in a way that's sustainable to yourself. It's not simply, did I survive? Right. It's, you know, you know, did I, did I do all the things necessary? Do I have the, um, Ability to look backwards and say that, um, regardless of the outcome, I'm still showing up tomorrow and aiming to improve. You know, yeah. Um, it's treating any victory or defeat as a as a false um, as a false message. You know, you're not getting you're not going to let the defeat hold you down and, and keep you from ever participating again. Nor are you going to take any victory and let that uh, run through your head and make you think that you're done. Mm. You know, yeah. you you treat every opportunity to show up and do the things. That uh, help produce you moving forward and being better at these um, small,
0: diligent little skills that you need to develop. Yeah, that's interesting. So it sounds like you really believe that those are skills that you you know you can develop and and practice over time um, to really max out you know what your mental toughness capacity can be. Yeah. Yeah, I,
1: I I hold firm that uh, regardless of your circumstances, you always have the capability to be stronger than. That. Mm. But you have to keep you have to keep practicing that mindset. To push it forward. Yeah, for sure.
0: I talked about a program that I've uh, put myself through. I'm actually going through it again right now, uh, called 75 Hard. Are you familiar with that? I'm not. No. Um, there's a guy named Andy Frisella who owns a company called First Form, a uh, nutrition supplement company. Out of St. Louis, mm-hmm. and he put together a program called 75 Hard, uh, which incorporates workouts, uh, water intake, proper diet, um, reading uh, is another one, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. alcohol consumption or lack of alcohol consumption, actually, um, cutting that out for different periods. Um, and it's been a really interesting program for me and it's really a program that he built, even though there's some physical components to it. And it's a, it can be intense, you know, from a fitness perspective. Um, it's, it's more about creating discipline, um, creating patterns, creating good habits, managing your time, uh, and those types of things. And so, you know, those, those practices kind of align with what you're talking about. It sounds like in terms of building the foundation of, um, you know, mental toughness that can translate out there on the course or on the athletic field.
1: Yes, absolutely. It's I mean, it sounds, sounds right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, we're in a, been an interesting year, right. You know, there's uh, a lot of stuff going on with COVID and, you know, a lot of people are finding themselves uh, in a position where, You know, they're at home, maybe don't have as much access uh, to gyms like they used to, just depending on, you know, where you Mm -hmm. live and those types of things. Um, Talk a little bit about just the at-home capabilities of Volt and in the gym and, you know, how those differ.
1: Yeah, so uh, when this all started kicking off in March, we rushed to deliver what we would call our at-home HIT training programs. Uh, So we have a, we have a, uh, an array of programs that, uh, help, uh, emphasize, uh, either a single piece of equipment or, uh, a low demand on equipment, as well as a body weight only option. Um, and it, you know, it ranges from bands, um, one set of dumbbells, kettlebells, uh, and, uh, we have low impact options too, in case anyone has any needs, uh, that require, um, some, some, some considerations towards knees and hips and or have neighbors that are below them in an apartment or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah. You know, uh and so we we built it and it has comes with a completely hands-free mode so this was a big push on our end and we're, we're really proud of the results that um it's been able to deliver to people some people are still still rolling now hitting it um you know staying consistent checking in getting the workouts done and rolling through uh, it uh it's uh all timer based um, it provides the, uh, a, a different array of movements, to keep uh, the variety up and, uh, progresses you through, um, what would be some, some decently challenging, um, to, to very challenging, uh, body weight, uh, interval level workouts that, uh, can still help you retain fitness, uh, even during moments where you don't have access. to Yeah, that.
0: for sure. And that's, that's really how I'm, I'm utilizing Volt right now myself, um, and definitely it's, you know, there's some good intense workouts in there. And yeah, I love why, I mean, i I work out typically in my garage and I love going in and just hit the button once. And it's like, I don't even have to touch my phone. I've got my speaker on in my garage. And so, you know, it's Mm -hmm. talking to me the entire time. It's, um, you know, making sure I get proper rest in between sets, you know, those types of things and super Mm -hmm. beneficial for sure. Um, and it's, it's definitely a program that I have really enjoyed through this time for sure. And so, you know, I think that any of you that are listening that are looking for a way to, um, you know, stay active and stay fit and keep your training up with golf. um, I think Volt can be a really good option for that. Even if you don't have access to a gym, um, there's a lot of really good progress that can be made um, just at home with your own body weight. um, Or if you've got access to, you know, like Jay said, some, some things like bands or kettlebells or, you know, a few dumbbells, um, stuff like that. You can really, you know, maximize what you're capable of just out of your own garage. So would we'll definitely encourage mm-hmm. people to check that out. Um, I'm trying to think about have anything else. I don't really have any other topics that, you know, I wanted to dive into, but I mean, is there any advice or tips that you would give uh, just in general for any young athletes out there or any parents that might be listening that are just trying to figure out, you know, the, the best way that they can help their, young athletes, um, you know, train from a fitness perspective? Yeah.
1: Uh, probably where I'd start would be, even if you don't know, um, what the, what the right first step is making that first step opens up the, opens up plenty of possibilities for you to discover what's going to work the best. And I say that in the sense that a lot of people are very hesitant to start training for, you know, whatever reason it could be either, uh, you know, they're not confident that it's going to work or they're not confident uh, that they can do it safely. I I would encourage people to try and take that first step, see what works because the more that you build that habit in the better the payoff down the road. And if you do it now, it saves you from having to make that same decision just
0: later down the road. Yeah, true. And you know, something else that I would add to that too is one thing that we didn't talk, we haven't talked about yet that I think is just a really, crucial component of Volt and what you guys have developed. You know, I mentioned to you before that, you know, I'm not really a fitness expert by any means. And there's, you know, some exercises and movements that I've gone through using the application that I wasn't honestly super familiar with. But the piece Mm -hmm. of that that really is beneficial to somebody like me, and I know that there are probably a ton of people that are listening right now that, are kind of in the same boat. It's like, yeah, I see the benefits. I understand what you're talking about, but I don't know where to start. And, you know, you say you throw up like goblet squat, you know, they're like, I don't know what the heck that is. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know how to perform that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, guys, there's a component within volt and it's every single workout that you do. They're actually showing you, actually, is it you that is, is being filmed in those actually, now that I'm, I looked at your picture. Yeah. Yeah. I make yeah. a
1: yeah i may i make a i make an appearance in Jason in I, I just
0: made that connection that's funny as I'm talking third I'm like you know what i think <laughs> that's uh that's jace that's actually doing that but yeah so he's he's showing you exactly what those movements you know need to look like to make sure that you're you know executing them properly uh to avoid injury to avoid any you know minimize your risk there and so mm-hmm. you know you can feel confident and comfortable that Uh, you'll be able to, you know, build proper technique through using this program as well. I don't know if there's anything you would add to that. No, you you nailed it. We need to bring you on board and have you
1: uh, (laughs) start advertising that for us.
0: No, I mean, it's uh, like I said, it's uh, I don't pitch a lot of things on here and and I'm not necessarily pitching Volt today, but, you know, I do. It's a product that I use. It's something that I love using. And I think that, you know, people out there that are listening that, you know, I've I've listened to ways that I've been able to use it. I've kind of watched my journey, Um, you know, personally, I think that it's something to look at and um, you know, this isn't an ad or anything like that. It's more so, you know, let's just educate some people and um, here's a tool that can be used to really, you know, hit on some of those important things for for golf training and just overall, uh, you know, fitness training as a whole. So, um, well, as we kind of move towards wrapping up, uh just wanted to kind of toss it over to you and you know is there anything that you know from a from a junior golf perspective from a you know junior golf keys podcast perspective or you know golf fitness is there anything that um i can answer for you or just kind of questions that you know a question or two that you might be curious about just about the space or anything that was sparked in our conversation today
1: yeah i mean from from your level as a professional i would love to see what you see as the next um, kind of adoption or innovation within golf itself, I'm, I'm always interested for from people that have like deep professional ties in, in different worlds that are outside yep. of mine. Just what you see on the horizon um, being adopted,
0: next. Um, and are you speaking specifically to just the sport, or do you mean like from in your guy's lane from a fitness perspective? You,
1: uh, I would say golf as a sport, or you know, really opening yep. it up to you, just because. Um, it's hard for me to predict what, what golf can do just because I don't have a lay of sure. the land in the same sure. way that
0: you do. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big topics right now, and it's related to fitness, um, but at, at mm-hmm. golf as a whole, you know, one of the big topics right now is um, is speed and distance and technology. And so, you know, there's a massive conversation mm-hmm. going on right now about um, the athleticism that golfers are bringing to the table now. They're hitting it farther. Their, their swing speeds are increasing. Um, uh, which opens up a conversation around the technology, uh club technology, ball technology. Um, it also opens up a conversation around uh, golf course setup, which I think is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. you know, this year Bryson won at Wingfoot, um, uh, which is a long, difficult golf course uh, where the rough was long and you know it's interesting he played the golf course very differently than a lot of the other players did, meaning that his approach to the course was I'm going to hit it out there as far as I can, because the rough is really long. And I know that even if I sacrifice some accuracy, I can hit a wedge out of the rough, whereas I may not be able to get a seven iron um, on the ball as cleanly or as effectively out of the rough um, if I sacrifice that same accuracy. And so his method worked. Um, and, and I think that it's just an interesting conversation that's going on right now because golf courses are talking about, do we lengthen the course, um, or, you know, technologies or company technology companies are talking about, you know, do we scale back the technology and equipment and the golf balls? So people aren't hitting it as far. Um, so there's just, I'm just really interested in where that, Conversation is going to go and what implementations um, courses and technology companies are going to take uh, just going forward. And I don't know what that's going to look like. I think that I've had some conversations around it with other golf professionals. And, you know, I think one of the ways to um, not control, but to modify the golf courses uh, to keep up with that increase in technology and distance is you know, just making the conditions more difficult, um, you know, making the, the greens faster and and tighter and, you know, growing the rough longer and, you know, penalizing, um, penalizing for lack of accuracy and, uh, you know, not just changing the incentive. Yeah, exactly. The risk reward. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, yeah, that's a big Mm -hmm. topic right now. I'm just, you know, it's, it's an ever evolving conversation. So, um, yeah, it's an interesting one and it kind of ties into your space too. Mm, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, anything else? No, all that's right. all I have. Uh, well, Jason, it's been a pleasure, man. I really appreciated talking this, talking through this with you. Um, you know, if there's any listeners out there that are interested in, you know, looking at Volt as an opportunity, uh, to increase their, you know, just overall effectiveness of their training and, and, and streamline that, uh, with you all, what is the best way for them to do that?
1: Uh you can find us at voltathletics.com. Um I don't have any social media okay. personally, um, but we have a very active social media account um on all of the major social media ones and you can contact uh Volt directly and we're very communicative. We're always happy to talk to anyone that wants to know about Volt or is using Volt. Um you can find us in the App Store. Um and I believe I said VoltAthletics.com yep. already, but if not Please. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, and you guys too. I mean, I would check out you know boldathletics. dot uh, There's there's some tabs in there. Jason's got a uh, a great blog. You've written about some really nice topics and had some you know guest interviews and stuff like that. Uh, I would encourage everybody to to go check those out. We we touched on a couple of those topics today, but there's you know certainly more that you can dive into that think we will help you guys overall with, uh, just your overall fitness training and, you know, becoming the best athlete that you can. So Jace, I really appreciate your time, man. It's been fun chatting with you and, uh, definitely think the value, uh, that you bring to the table is going to help this audience out. So thanks a lot.
1: I appreciate that. And thank you for having me. Was just yeah, absolutely, to.
0: man. Well, that wraps up episode 63 of the Junior Golf Keys podcast with our guest this week, Jace Derwin, the head of performance training at Volt Athletics. And I really hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. If you did, if you took any value away from it, please share it. Uh, Please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. I would love it if you just shared the podcast out there in general, just trying to reach as many junior golf families as we can so that we can give them value. We can uh, give them an opportunity to tune in and listen to some stories from people that have been through what they're going through right now and how they did it. How are they? How are they successful? Um, just want to continue to reach as many people as we can. So appreciate you all tuning in and listening. Uh, make sure that you subscribe, like I said, so you don't miss next week's episode. It's our last lost episode, Max and John Moldovan. Uh, Max has been on before, uh, but his dad, John is joining us. John's a teaching professional. Uh, they've got a really good relationship, really great family. And, uh, I think you guys are going to enjoy the conversation with Max and his dad, John. So, um, Tune in next week for the next episode of Junior Golf Keys. Look forward to talking to you guys soon.